2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to follow along with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this morning we're going to be studying together in verses 17 through 21. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verses 17 through 21. This morning, both collectively and perhaps even individually, we are experiencing newness in several different ways. Some of you might not want me to remind you of this, but in just a few short days, a brand new school year is going to begin. And with a brand new school year comes a lot of new things. New people. New friends. New teachers. New opportunities and new responsibilities. New activities and new bedtimes. Maybe it's the case in your personal life that you're experiencing something new. Maybe you've bought something new, whether it be big or small, over the last little while. Maybe you're experiencing something new, moving into a new home, transitioning into a new job, or transitioning into a new school. Maybe it's the case that there's something off on the horizon in your life, something new. And in just a few weeks, just a few months, or maybe even a couple of years, you're going to step into and find yourselves in the midst of that newness. Maybe you're excited about the new things in your life. Maybe it's something that brings a lot of enthusiasm and excitement. Or maybe it's a little bit scary. Just like the word new can bring about feelings of excitement and enthusiasm, it can also bring about feelings of fear and uncertainty. This morning something that we're all sharing in, is that we're experiencing something new as a congregation. Last week, you had to say goodbye to the Ketchum family who had been here for about 17 years. I'm sure that was a very difficult, challenging thing to do. It might still be challenging this morning. This week, somebody new is standing in the same pulpit. Somebody new is sitting inside of the same preacher's office. On mine and Leslie's end of things, we feel like we're completely surrounded by newness. New people. New faces. We moved into a new house, in a new city, in a new state. We both have new jobs. We're getting used to new schedules and routines. I've had to find some new running routes. If you, if you know, I, I like to run. Somebody mentioned to me a few days ago that they saw me running through town. Well, I didn't even know that I was in town, but thankfully, I found myself back, back, getting back to the house. I've, I've thankfully gotten back to the house every time. As we experience the reality of newness this morning, I can't help but think about the newness that we find in Jesus. As we experience newness and transition this morning, I can't help but reflect on. I can't help but think about the newness that we are able to experience in our Lord. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17-21. through 21. When you look at this section of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is having to defend his apostleship. He's having to defend his ministry, even his integrity. It seems that false teachers have infiltrated the church at Corinth. They were causing a lot of problems. 
They were boastfully and arrogantly elevating themselves while at the same time attacking the Apostle Paul. They were attacking his authority as an apostle. They were attacking the validity of his ministry. They were attacking even his own personal integrity as a Christian. And so as Paul defends his apostleship, and specifically in 2 Corinthians 5, as he defends his ministry, I want us to notice together what he has to say about newness in Jesus. This morning, I want us to ask three questions. Question number one, can we have newness in Jesus? Is that something that's available to us? Is that something that we're able to experience? Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone... That's a significant word right there. Well, what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5 is not limited. This is something that's available to all people. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter whether you're a male or a female. This in 2 Corinthians 5 is not limited. This is something that's open to everybody. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. In that statement, Paul draws a dividing line. We divide up our world as people into a lot of different groups. We divide up our world in a lot of different ways based on a lot of different things. In reality, in the eyes of God, there are really only two groups with one dividing line. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there are those who are in Jesus and there are those who are outside of Jesus. There are those who are connected to Jesus and there are those who are not connected to Jesus. How can I be connected to Jesus? What do I have to do in order to go from outside of Christ to inside of Christ? Paul talks about that in his other letters. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, he asks a question, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? And then Galatians 3 and verse 27 Paul says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Other translations say, you've clothed yourself with Christ. How do I get into Jesus? What does Paul say? I'm baptized into Christ. Whenever I'm immersed in water for the forgiveness of my sin, that is the moment that I go from outside of Jesus to inside of Jesus. That is the moment that I go from being disconnected to Jesus to connected to Him and all of the blessings that flow from Him. And so when you look at verse 17, let's say we make that decision, as many of us have. Let's say that we make the decision to be baptized into Christ. Now I'm living inside of Jesus. What is available to me? What is the blessing that I receive whenever I'm in Christ? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, underline it, new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the, underline it, new has come. If you go back to Genesis, the first chapter, verses 26 and 27, we find that we were originally created in God's image. God created us to reflect His essence, 
to reflect His nature and character to the world. A part of being created in God's image is ruling alongside of Him. Having dominion with Him over His creation. You go to Isaiah 43 and verse 7, and the Bible talks about how we have been created for God's glory. Why are we here? What is our purpose as human beings? What did God create us to be? What did God create us to do? He created us in His image to reflect His essence, His glory, and His nature to the world, to share with Him in His reign and dominion over all of creation. The problem with that is that we've messed it up. Through our own sinful choices, through our own sinful decisions, we have broken, we have corrupted God's original intent for His creation. It's nobody's fault but our own. Through our own choices, through our own rebellious decisions, we have not been what God created us to be. We've not done what God created us to do. So where's the hope? Where's the second chance? How can I be in the right relationship with my Creator? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, look, the new has come. Can we have newness in Jesus? Is that something that's available to us? Is that something that we're able to experience? What's the answer? Well, let's ask a man by the name of Augustine. Perhaps you've heard of him. He lived about three or four hundred years after Jesus. Before he was converted to Christianity, the story goes, he lived a very promiscuous life. He was searching for answers to life's greatest questions. And in his search, he did a lot of things. He looked in a lot of different places that looking back later on it, he wasn't proud of. One day, shortly after his conversion to Christianity, Augustine was walking down the road. And he heard a familiar voice call out behind him, Augustine, Augustine, it's me, turn around, I want to talk to you. He recognized the voice as one of his former mistresses. And he knew what she wanted. He ignored her. Kept walking forward. But she didn't give up. Augustine, it's Claudia. Turn around. I want to talk to you. I have something I want to say to you. Augustine turned around. And he responded to her, you might still be Claudia but I'm no longer Augustine. What did we say? If anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. Can we have newness in Jesus? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what kind of sins you've committed. It doesn't matter how many sins you've committed. If you're willing to live in Jesus, if you're willing to be in Christ, you can have newness even despite the guilt that you feel. Even despite the things that you've done in your past. This text is not telling us that Jesus just wants to patch us up and send us on our way. 
Now, Jesus wants to completely erase all of the sinful decisions that we've ever made. Whenever we're in Jesus, the old passes away. It's as if it never even happened. It's as if it never even took place. Who I am in Jesus is not who I was outside of Jesus. This morning, we're not saying that Jesus just wants to make a few minor repairs. We're not saying that He just wants to make a few minor changes in your life. What we are saying this morning is that Jesus wants to transform you into something brand new. Whenever you're in Christ, you are a brand new creation. A brand new creature. When the old passes away, it is replaced by the new. Can we have newness in Jesus? Absolutely, we can. But it brings us to this next question. How can we have newness in Jesus? Paul, I get what you're saying in verse 17. But you must not know the mistakes that I've made. You must not know about the sins that I've committed and the guilt that I feel every single day. Oh, I can see it for other people. I can see how other people could find newness in Jesus, but there's no way that I could. Based on what I've done, the sins I've committed, how far I've strayed, there's no way that the old could pass away and the new could come. Notice what Paul has to say about that at the very beginning of verse 18. He says, all this is from God who through Christ the old passes away and the new comes. Paul wants you to understand that that's not about you. That's not about how good you are. It's not about the things you do or don't do. It's not about playing this game where if I can do more good things than I do bad things, well, that means that I'm new in Jesus. Paul wants you to get in verse 18 that this is not something that you can earn. And it's not something that you'll ever deserve. Old things pass away. New things come. And Paul says, all this is from God. All of this is from God who acted on our behalf through Jesus. It's not about you. It's about God. It's not about how good you are, but it's about how God has acted on your behalf through Jesus. Isn't that what it, Paul says in verse 21? For our sake. He made Him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. It's not from us. All of that in verse 17 is from God who acted on our behalf through Jesus. Okay, Paul, I want you to go into a little bit more detail about that. I want you to tell me a little bit more about what God has done so that I can have this newness in Jesus. He says, okay, let me tell you three things. Number one, in Jesus... God has reconciled us to Himself. Whenever I see that word reconciled, it makes me think about the stereotypical on-again, off-again high school relationship. You know what I'm talking about? Where a boy and a girl are together for a couple months and, and they're just madly in love and then they break up for a couple weeks. Whenever they get back together, what do we call that? You could call it Reconciliation. They've reconciled their differences and they've come back together in that relationship. When we were born into this world, we were born sinless. But again, through our own choices, through our own decisions, what was sinless became sinful. 
what didn't have any sin became full of sin. So what has God done about that? He has reconciled us to Himself. We created a separation between us and Him by our own iniquities. Isaiah 59 and verse 2. But God has closed that gap. He's brought us back into that relationship with Him. And that's how we're able to have newness in Jesus. But as you keep reading in verse 18 and in verse 19, and as we're going to get down into verse 20, don't misunderstand this. This newness that we have in Jesus is not just about what He's done in our lives. It's not just about how He has reconciled us, but it's about how we interact with other people. In verses 18 and 19, Paul says, "...in Jesus..." God has given us the ministry, literally the service of reconciliation. It's not just about you being reconciled to God, but it's about you helping other people to be reconciled to God. In verses 18 and 19, Paul says, here's what God is doing. He says God is in the process of reconciling the world to Himself through Christ. And then whenever we're reconciled to Him, we get to be a part of that. We get to share in that mission. We get the privilege, the responsibility, the obligation to take part in that glorious task that when I've been reconciled to God, I'm going to do all that I can as I partner with Him to help other people to be reconciled to God. Well, how do I fulfill the ministry of reconciliation? The third thing he says in verse 19 is that in Jesus, God has entrusted to us literally the Word, the Logos, the message of reconciliation so that we can be reconciled to God and so that other people can be reconciled to God. God has entrusted to us His Word. He's given us what we find throughout the pages of this book. He has entrusted to us the 66 books of the Bible. How are we handling what God has entrusted us with? Are we using it to allow ourselves to be reconciled to God? To help other people to be reconciled to God? Or is it something that's neglected? Something that remains on the shelf? Something that we allow to gather dust? Question number two. How can we have newness in Jesus? Paul wants you to get, it's not about you, but it's about God who has acted on your behalf through Christ. Sometimes we like to take things on our shoulders, don't we? We think that we're strong enough. We think that we can handle it. And so we take these really heavy loads and we take these great tasks and we lay them on top of our shoulders. Here's a good example of that. Have you ever looked like this guy? Carrying in groceries from the car? There's an unwritten rule whenever you carry groceries from the car into the house, only one trip allowed. No second trip. Only one trip allowed. Leslie can testify that that looks like me whenever we go to get groceries. But I mean, think about it. If you're just going to make that one trip, you have to weigh yourself down, putting groceries up your arms, carrying as many as you can in your hands. He even has some strung around his neck, carrying as many. And so we struggle underneath the weight of all of that, all the way from the car, through the door, into the kitchen, finally able to lay them down. If you're like me, you're going to drop a couple, get in trouble for it. Do we ever have that mentality spiritually? That if I'm going to have this newness in Jesus, I've got to put it all on my shoulders. And I've, I've got to be good enough. And I've got to be perfect. And I've got to do everything right. And Paul wants you to get, this is not about you. All of this is from God 
who acted on your behalf through Christ. This doesn't originate with you, but it originates with the God who has reconciled you to Himself. The God who has given you the ministry of reconciliation. The God who has entrusted to you the message of reconciliation. It's not about us. It's about Him. And so this third question, we've been hinting at it, but we need to ask it outright. How are we changed by this newness in Jesus? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay, I get that. It's available. And I see that all of it comes from God who acted through Christ. But now, how does that change me? How does that transform my life? How does it transform the way I live, who I am at my very core? Notice verse 20. Therefore, because of all of this, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is a picture of a lady named Jane Hartley. Currently, she's serving as the United States Ambassador to the United Kingdom. What is her job? What does she do as an ambassador? She stands before the government of the United Kingdom representing the government of the United States. She promotes. She speaks for. She defends the United States in the eyes of the United Kingdom. And so take that and apply that to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. This newness is available to us in Jesus. And I see how that comes to me. It all comes from God through Christ. Now how does it change me? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Whenever we have newness in Jesus, we become ambassadors for Jesus. We become those who speak on His behalf. Those who represent Him and promote Him in the eyes of those who don't know Him. We are those who God makes His appeal through. God is appealing to the world. Be reconciled to God. And by the way we live, by the decisions that we make, God makes His appeal through us. We are the ones who are imploring people, begging people. There's a sense of urgency. Be reconciled to God. We want you to experience the blessing that we've experienced in Jesus. And so we're begging you, we're imploring you as ambassadors for Christ, be reconciled to God. It completely changes us. It completely transforms us. When we're new in Jesus, we become ambassadors for Jesus. How are we changed by newness in Jesus? I want to see some hands. Have you seen Toy Story 2? Yes, some, most. If you haven't, you need to. It's a classic. You need to watch Toy Story 2. There's a scene in Toy Story 2 where Woody has been taken. And so the other toys are trying to chase him down. They end up hijacking a Pizza Planet delivery truck. You remember this? And there's three little aliens hanging in the mirror. And of course, they come alive and they start speaking. Well, as they're in this high-speed chase to get Woody back, they take a sharp turn and those aliens fly out the window. But Mr. Potato Head grabs their string and pulls them back in. You remember what the little aliens said to Mr. Potato Head? Not just once, but throughout the rest of the movie. They said, you have saved our lives and we are eternally grateful. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. God through Christ has saved our lives. And we should be eternally grateful. May we never approach God with an attitude that says, thank you so much for this newness. And thank you so much for forgiving me of my sin. But I'm going to live the way I want to live. And I'm going to do the things I want to do. And I'm going to be the person that I want to be. No, God has saved our lives. And we should be so grateful that every day, verse 20, we live as His ambassadors. We should be so grateful for what God has done for us through Jesus that every day, by the way we live, by the decisions we make, by the things that we say, we allow God to make His appeal through us. That every day, everywhere we go, regardless of who we're around, we should be the ones out of great gratitude and thanksgiving who implore and beg other people, be reconciled to God. I've been reconciled to God in verse 18, and I want you to be reconciled to God in verse 20. It's something that completely changes us. It's something that completely transforms us. When I'm new in Jesus, I become an ambassador for Jesus. I hope that the newness we're experiencing right now encourages us to think about and to embrace the newness that we experience in Christ. The newness that is available in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. God has made all of the preparations for us to receive that. Is that a decision you need to make this morning? You need to make a decision to be baptized into Jesus in that moment going from outside of Christ to inside of Christ. You need to be connected to Him and access this newness Allow the old to pass away and the new to come. Be buried with them in baptism and begin to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. If you'd like to make that decision, we'd love to help you. If you'd like to talk about it, if you'd love to study about it, we'd love to help you with that as well. Maybe it's the case that you have claimed that newness and you follow Jesus down into the waters of baptism. You've been placed in Him. Is the newness changing you? Has it transformed you? Are you living every day as an ambassador for Christ or are you more an ambassador for yourself? For what you want? Your sin? Your pride? Whatever it might be. If you're struggling with this newness, finding your identity and purpose in the Lord, we'd love to help you out with that as well. If anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. And it all comes from God who acted on our behalf through Jesus. Whenever we truly embrace it, it completely changes and transforms everything that we are and everything that we do. Respond to that message if you have the need as we stand and as we sing. Waiting to give you a place in his